0: Roots Radio, I'm Jan Hall. All the best in Folk Roots Americana, singer-songwriters and blues, and artist interviews. On Folk Roots Radio, we're all about the music and the people that make it. Now coming up, we're pleased to bring you another very special episode of the show, and one I am really excited about. We're giving over the whole of this episode to a conversation with Jamie Stone, about his wonderful new album, Awake. It's quite the departure for him, after several wonderful roots and world music albums, to put down the banjo and embrace ambient electropop and sonic landscapes, and in quite such a beautiful way, as he reflects on the sudden and tragic loss of his brother Michael, a Buddhist teacher and yoga instructor. So settle down and enjoy. Jamie Stone, In Conversation, on Folk Roots Radio.
1: Promise, apart. Let's get carried away. Unstop your heart. Now, future promise. Settle it up right now. Future promise. It's always been summer, even when we weren't looking. Can we finally learn? Roll up our sleeves, see our thirsty and yearning. Take this promise apart. Your uh-huh. heart
0: That's Jamie Stone with Future Promise from his new album Awake. A gorgeous slice of ambient electropop with a sound and sonic palette that envelops you in its warm embrace. Featuring songs written in the aftermath of his brother Michael's sudden and tragic loss, it's an incredibly comforting listen from beginning to end. As the voices of Jamie Stone and his backing singers float over a beautiful sea of synths, guitar, bass, clarinet, piano, and more. Now it's quite the departure for the double Juno award-winning artist who has built some fabulous Roots & World music albums around his banjo playing, and it's absolutely the reason why we need to talk to Jamie Stone about this amazing new recording. It's my great pleasure to welcome Jamie Stone back to Folk Roots Radio. I gotta say I'm very excited about this because one of the things I I read when I was uh, reading through your press release i think was on your website was that you know how your albums tend to come out as surprise recordings and and this was very much a surprise for me but to be honest it's part of the reason i love to do radio um there's nothing better than being surprised by wonderful new music and i've got to say from the first note of this album the first time i listened to it i was just absolutely blown away and you know i need to preface that by saying that I've been blown away by all of your work. I mean, particularly uh, the last two albums, The Lomax Project and Folk Life. But this just feels so incredibly special. And uh, I probably should stop gushing because uh, you may never get a word in. But, uh, you know, when I listened to the first three tracks and was just completely blown away, and then I listened to the rest of the album, and I realized that I could basically pick any of the tracks on this album to play and that to me is like the perfect record so congratulations on that now i will shut up and you can tell us about the project
2: <laughs> um yeah i mean even for me still after working on it for 3 years it's still entirely mesmerizing every time i listen to it and i mean really i've always done this with projects and records of immersed myself in, you know whether it's a story or a culture or some you know palette of inspiration and just go really deep through the process however long it takes and then you know come out on the other side with this thing that I can share with people and um, in a way this record is no different but you know it was burst under quite different circumstances you know I had actually earmarked Four weeks off the road three summers ago right about now and that was hard to do because I tour a lot and literally on the day that I was supposed to start writing I found out that my brother had died very suddenly and tragically and you know magically in some ways I didn't have anything to cancel so I was able to just fly out to where he was living and and see him for a few days before he ultimately passed. And it was a really powerful experience. And, And then, of course, I knew that I was going to write about that. And so the record really came out of this combination of both writing in the wake of his passing. And, you know, it's not so much a record about him as it is a record about, you know, my own experience of, his death and thinking about my own life and life in general coming out of that experience. And also I had actually really wanted to make a record that sounded completely different than anything that I ever done. I knew that I wasn't going to play the banjo and I knew that I was going to write differently and it was going to feature my songs and lyrics. and, um, And I wanted a very different sonic palette and new collaborators. And so it was like a combination of this aesthetic direction that I had an inkling of, but had not yet stepped into. And then this is a very clear experience that gave me a reason to write these songs.
0: Now, we should mention that your brother Michael Stone was a Buddhist teacher and yoga instructor, right? I mean, he um, was quite well known, was quite known for his teachings. In fact, I think his teachings are still being supported, right, by uh, the foundation that was left behind after his death?
2: Mm-hmm, yeah. He has all these online programs, and he was in the middle of writing four books when he passed, and one of them has since been published, and I know that there's maybe another in the work. So, yeah, he was prolific for sure.
0: So this album must feel like a... I mean, it's really your your tribute to his life but as you mentioned it was your own experience going through what can only be the most unimaginable grief to find out suddenly this happened
2: yeah absolutely and you know the title of the record actually came on the plane as i was flying out there having just heard the news you know i booked a flight a few hours later and tried to go there as soon as possible and Um, I was already had my journal out trying to make sense and, you know, find words to fit what I was feeling and the questions that I was asking. And so a a lot of the songs or several of them kind of got seeded even that early. Um, I wasn't writing full-fledged songs, but, you know, words and ideas and images and and things I kind of kept coming back to. So that was really powerful.
0: The title of the album is Awake. Now, interestingly, and this is the sort of thing I like to focus on, uh, you actually use a capital letter for both the A and W, and I wonder if that's because uh, this is Awake, as in, you know, I think, you know, the awareness that we, we all need to hopefully discover about our lives. But also, I kind of feel like it, it is a Awake, as in a celebration of, of his life as well. Is that a reasonable thing to say?
2: Mm, very much, yeah. Um, and and I kept playing. The title was fluid. There was like a sort of pool of working titles. And uh, at one point, I was going to call it Awake Awake. And one of them, you know, as two words, a wake and the other, you know, of course, awake. And I kind of couldn't decide even till the last minute. And then it seemed simpler just to leave those two possibilities in one word Um, and it was actually the fellow who designed the album cover who, who put the two capitals next to each other. It doesn't quite come across as clearly on the radio as it does on paper, but it, you know, he felt like it really visualized the double meaning of it. And, um, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. It's all
0: in there. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing when you listen to this, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I, I was through the first three tracks, you know, and, and I usually kind of regard that as a is a good idea that I actually really love this album. But, you know, you're, you put an album on, you're in three tracks into it, and you're almost, like, stunned. You're not senseless because there's so much beauty going around. You're just completely absorbed by the music. But it just feels like... An incredibly complete statement, and as much as you know, we mentioned you know some of your other albums, you know, Africa to Appalachia, you know, the Lomax Project, Folk Life, Room of Wonders, all of these wonderful albums. And I guess in the time for you, they probably feel like you're, you know, you they're very coherent statements in their own right. But in some ways, this seems more. Is that is that a, a reasonable thing to say as well? That you know, you, I mean, you really have done incredible justice to to his memory such that you know people like myself who you know read the press release which I have to say is one of the best press releases I've ever read in my life and then read through the liner notes and the lyrics of this album and you're left wanting to learn more about the subject such that you know I decided to do a little bit more research than I normally would and you know read more about Michael Stone but this feels so complete and I'm just curious as to how you feel about it
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I decided right at the outset that I wasn't going to set a time frame on making the record. I was going to take as long as I needed. And, you know, having been doing this for a long time, my past records have been, we already sometimes had CD release tour dates on the books, and so there was always like a time frame, you know? Um, And and I decided I just didn't want to have an end in sight, and so I really did spend three years making the record. We spent a whole year mixing it. I sang everything like three different times, months apart, you know. We had finished the entire thing and then I woke up one morning and I I was like, I wanna I wanna sing it all again, you know? Um, and so I had the luxury of that and working with David Trevor Smith, who I've been working with for about fifteen years, on everything he co produced and engineered and you know mastered and everything and you know he is such an incredible collaborator endlessly patient has so many great ideas he was always willing to give me the space to redo and rethink and reimagine and maybe that you're feeling with the record is that you know i i was able to try everything you know there were songs the songs that you're hearing are very much distilled you know But I would sometimes, you know, we'd record it and then I would take it back and I would completely rethink it, re-edit, write new lyrics, and then send it off to somebody to play on. Um, Sometimes I would take out a really key element. Like there was a couple songs that we recorded really anchored with piano. And then at a certain point, I would just take out the piano and see what might happen. And sometimes I even got somebody else to play, like on, on one track, I had somebody else come in and play bass and we just muted the original bass part because I was curious what this other person would do. And then we mixed and matched pieces of it all and I just poured over every word and every note and, you know, we mastered it seven times. And and so it was a real luxury. I feel really fortunate to have been able to, for a lot of reasons, take the time just because it was so meaningful You know, everybody always has, you know, little wishes, you know, you hear a record and you're like, oh, if only we had more time to do this, or if only I had thought of this then. Um, And because I took so long, it feels like the process and the imagination and all of the care over years, really, to get to that place. So yeah, it feels really amazing to be on the other side of something that I put so much into and so many other people
0: did too. Well, you know, I have to to thank you for just sharing that because it certainly feels like that to me. And this feels like a a very special recording. And uh, I mentioned the the lyrics. We're going to talk a little bit about those in a few moments. But one of the things I love about it is the fact that, you know, this is an album where you need to listen from beginning to end and you need to have the liner notes out and, and, you know, you can read along at the same time because it's absolutely gorgeous. But before we get into to more talking about the album, the people played on it, I, I want to talk about that first track because the first track, Future Promise, is a little different because this is more of a our song about a relationship and this is actually a co-write as well because I think Daniela Gesundheit, who is <clears> part of Snowblink, actually wrote this with you. So uh, tell us a little bit about this first song and why you wanted to lead off this way.
2: Yeah, it was the last thing that I wrote for the record. And essentially, I really felt like the record was a little too dark. And it needed something just brighter that had more energy and um, a little bit of sparkle. And I was really in love with this producer and writer um, named Malik Berry, who's Nigerian but lives in London, and makes like these sort of very, very sappy, super catchy, like dance hall hip-hop songs. And uh, I, I, there was this one called um, Let Me Know that I was just kind of smitten with. Um, um, and so I just put it on one morning, and I was like, okay, I'm going to write something like this need something really peppy, And I sat down and wrote this sort of like palm muted African guitar kind of instrumental as a starting point. And then as I often do, I just started singing over it, improvising, whatever nonsense lyrics came into my head. And this thing about future promise, settle it up right now was what stuck. And I, of course, thought it was going to just be a throwaway, you know, something to get me in the door, and then I would write something more meaningful. And, and, uh, it just kind of stuck. And, and I was unsure about it, because it was also entirely fictional, this sort of made up story about this couple who are at a crossroads in their relationship. They've been together a while, and they're deciding whether they're gonna stay together. And, uh, my friend Daniela was singing on it, and, and I just sent it to her, and I was like, What do you think? You know, like, do you do you maybe want to like take a stab at some lyrics? Like, here's my throwaway lyrics. And she wrote back immediately and said, you know, you need to keep these. This is really great. It's very clear to me, and it's such a beautiful image. And I was like, really? (laughs) So it's funny because like half of her co-write was her basically telling me to keep things (laughs) that I thought um, I was gonna toss. And then and then we sort of like collaborated on the verses. And it was really fun because it was like two days before the session, and so I had to finish it. And we were essentially kind of like it was like we were writing a soap opera or something because we're like, okay, cool. Uh, last verse now, like, what's going to happen? Are they going to are they going to make up? Are they going to break up? Or and we couldn't decide. And then I like imagine like this scene from a film where the couples on their cell phone with lots of static and they can't really hear each other and. So, like, call is breaking up, and so they can't even hear, like, one person is saying, like, are we making up, are we breaking up? And and I, and I thought it would be really beautiful to just sort of leave it as a mystery.
0: And we should mention it is a very catchy pop song, too. I mean, it's, you know, the there are quite a few songs on here that actually are quite danceable, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Mm-hmm. Again, the, the crossover potential for this album is absolutely huge. I got to say, it's actually as a complete aside, but it's interesting because when you wrote me your your note, you said, oh, you know, you may want to to dip into Troubled About My Soul because I think that's the only song where you play the banjo on this album. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that has, you know, more of a, a traditional rootsy feel to it, although it's still quite different. So, you know, certainly, I mean, this was right in my ballpark, the whole album, and as I'm sure anyone listening to, to this radio show will realize, but truly, truly fabulous. I want to move on to the the nearly title track. That's "Awake Awake," which, interestingly, is the second track on the album. And I love the the one two three punch on this record. I certainly think that that's pretty essential, uh, as far as I'm concerned, when you're putting out an album to make sure you really uh, lead off well. But uh, "Awake Awake" is a truly beautiful song. It also kind of references summer in it as well. I wanted to give you a chance to talk about this one before we play it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote it on the first anniversary of my brother's passing. I sort of did a pilgrimage that summer. I went back to where he was living on Tender Island in British Columbia to see his wife and kids and do a, a ritual for him. And then I went back to Toronto and spent some time with people that we knew growing up. And then we used to go to a summer camp up in Algonquin Park um, in Ontario every year. And I went back for the first time in 30 years with a few people that we were all close with growing up. And um, and I had brought, you know, a, a little wooden container with his ashes in it. And I would scatter them in all these places that, you know, he he loved and lived. And And so I kind of wrote that song on the trip, but the, the bulk of it came the night before the anniversary. I just sat down at the piano and got entranced by those chords and, and and wrote much of it right then and there. Yeah, I feel like it really captures so many, like the sort of like imagistic way that sort of memory and feeling and some his voice and all of those things tend to feel like hard to hard to pin down, and yet very clear at the same time
0: and there's almost some spoken word in this song as well, isn't there I think in the in the actual break itself
2: totally um yeah, in the last few years, I've been listening to a lot of hip hop records and you know aspects of that music really made their way into these songs, as veiled as they might be to some people. Um, this was maybe a little inspired by Chance the Rapper.
0: It's a fabulous song. Let's listen to it now. This is Jamie Stone with "Awake, Awake" from his fabulous new album, "Awake." You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall.
1: summer old circle, it's coming undone August and after you won't feel the sun I see you see me from up on the heights You tell me everything's gonna be right We wind it in circles The questions entwine What you would give me, I'd give it in kind still ringing, I'm ringing your phone All of these boys have to go alone You're lost, I'm lost, we're all the same You say, I say, we say his name A light, a light, a life is made He's here, he's gone, don't let it fade The salt dissolves, your eyes are clear My hands, your hands, a single sphere Awake, awake, the light has come an ache, an ache, the past is numb You scatter your ashes on out at the break And gather up all that you left in your wake It's hard to just live in the air and the sea With nowhere to of you got nowhere to be It's like you ain't left but what left is right here Someone so far away feels so near You told me to tell me to wait for your call Been waiting on you ever since we were small You're lost, I'm lost, we're all the same You say I say, we say his name A light, a light, a life is made He's here, he's gone, don't let it fade The salt dissolves, your eyes are clear My hands, your hands, a single sphere Awake, awake, the light has come An ache, an ache, the past is numb are clean. My hands, your hands, a single sphere. Awake, awake, the light has come. Unache, unache, the past is numb. You're lost, I'm lost, we're all the same. You say, I say, we say his name. A light, a light, a life is made. He's here, he's gone, don't let it fade. The soul dissolves, your eyes are clear. Your hands, your hands, a single sphere Awake, awake, for light has come An ache, an ache the past is numb
0: This is Emily Millard. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio with Jan Hall. That's Jamie Stone with Awake, Awake. It's the near title track from his new album, Awake. Probably running out of superlatives here, but I think Amazing would be a fair fit for this record. It truly is fabulous. I kind of feel like I'm getting all my Christmases at once when I got this album. And I had a chance to to talk to you as well, because uh, Jamie Stone is our special guest on the show today. But... Uh, absolutely brilliant song you have some amazing players on here jamie and interestingly you said earlier i think that you actually wanted to to have mostly a different group of people on it can you talk a little bit about why you wanted to do that
2: i knew that i wanted a kind of fresh sonic palette and i challenged myself by writing everything on instruments that I didn't really know how to play and delving into electronics and synthesis and samplers and programming drums and things to just put myself in a different place. And then, of course, wanted to surround myself by people that come from different worlds, as I like to do. So that was intentional and was just so incredibly lucky to get to play with all these people. Felicity Williams, who people might know from the band Bahamas, she sang on a few tracks on Folk Life, and she has such a unique kind of heavenly voice, and so I knew that I wanted to have her. And Daniela Gesundheit, who we talked about earlier, I've known for a really long time, and Always wanted to work with her and their close friends and have a really beautiful way of singing together. And then so many people. Yeah, Andrew Ryan is a really great bass player who would sometimes play with folk life. And again, here he didn't play any upright bass. It was all synth bass and electric bass. And then there's a drummer in Brooklyn named Jason Berger who I knew I wanted to have on there. Um, he was in a band called Big Thief, who I really like, kind of indie rock band, um, that played on their first record. And he was really brilliant at playing drum kit and integrating it with programmed drums that sometimes he would program or sometimes I would. And um, and that was a really important sound for the record, this sort of electronic meets uh, acoustic instrument. And then one of the you know luckiest chance meetings was um, we recorded at a studio called Figure Eight in Brooklyn that uh, a friend of mine Shazad Ismaili runs and I had asked Shazad if he would just be a wild card you know come in he plays every instrument um, and he's a great producer too just asked him to like you know put his ear on things and see what might be needed and, and he was totally game. And then we were in the first rehearsal the night before the session started. And, uh, he actually like pulled me aside and said, listen, like this music is really heavy and there's so much going on and there's so many different references. And I actually feel like there's somebody else I have in mind that I think would be even better. And so I hope you don't mind but I took the liberty of texting him during rehearsal and he's free tomorrow. And I was like who is it? And and it turned out to be this guy Jason Lindner played on David Bowie's Black Star and is just one of the most amazing musicians I've ever met. Both incredible like improviser and like composer of intricate and really fascinating keyboard parts but also like a master synth sound sculptor who could like make any sound. And and it was really like witnessing like something across between a virtuoso musician and like a mad scientist in a laboratory. So that was, you know, like quite amazing. Alex Spiegelman was actually one of the first people that I called. I had connected with him because I recorded some music with a band he has called Baby States and um, we actually have an EP sitting there um, that I'm probably going to release next year. And I originally brought him because, you know, he plays bass clarinet and so many other things, and he has such a unique way of thinking about music. And then he brought in this tiny little Casio keyboard the size of your right arm and uh, ended up playing a lot of the key, like, Hooky parts. He always finds a way of playing something that's like so perfect and so catchy and also just a little bit weird and not what you'd expect. That's kind of his signature move. Um, And yeah, he was a really key part of the whole team.
0: It it sounds really beautiful. I, I have to be honest. Do you feel like it's a bit of a luxury for you to be able to spend, you know, you said it's probably three years on this album? I know. Uh, A lot of people, and, you know, we haven't talked about the fact that obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic and people aren't able to play, but uh, everybody is this, you know, I feel this feeling from a lot of people, you know, I need to keep putting music out. I need to keep putting music out so people don't forget that I exist because I don't get to play live. But uh, does it feel a bit of a luxury that, you know, you were able to spend so long? You know, you mentioned how, you know, not just working on layers, but, you know, the opportunity to, to put instruments in, take them out, you know. You know, uh, tweak things a little bit. Was was that something very special for you?
2: Absolutely. And it was the first time I've ever been able to do that. Um, I used to always roll my eyes when I'd hear the stories of, you know, a band getting a studio for a year and writing a record and <laughs> taking another year to make it. Um, I always couldn't understand how that works. And now I totally <laughs> appreciate that approach. And yeah, it's very much a luxury. It was partly, you know, a decision. I mean, I, I feel like putting out a record every two years is a nice interval, um, gives time for me to actually make something really strong and tour it and get it out there and then kind of get my head in a place to do something new. So I don't feel in a rush to do any more than that, uh, especially given the like logistics and finances and all the other things involved in having a career and having a life and a family and all of it. Um, So that feels reasonable. I did spend much longer on this one. And I also should say that I had a very generous grant from the Canada Council to make this record and also had a, a patron out of nowhere give me money before that grant came in. So I also was in a place where I could take the time and, you know, pay everybody well and have a lot of people involved and and really take the time that it needed. So, yeah, I'm very, very thankful that I was in a place and had the support to be able to do it in the way that I felt like this record needed to be done.
0: Well, certainly it's a, as I said before, fabulous album, and I want to encourage as many people as possible to actually buy the physical copy, because although I think it's beautiful to listen to it online, and yeah, you can you know, you can certainly stream it. I think you really benefit from being able to look at the liner notes and read the lyrics at the same time.
2: Yeah, I should say that um, I, at the moment, although I plan to at some point, I, I am not pressing any physical copies, mostly because, you know, shops are closed and without touring, I won't be able to sell them on stage. And, you know, nobody really buys things online so much anymore with the streaming as it is. And so because of that, I decided to make this really immersive website that I feel like is like the true home of the record and in a way is like liner notes for a digital age. And so on the day of the release, I'm also going to make public this website where I'm giving away the record with the liner notes and also The website kind of unfolds a lot of background of the story. There's old Super 8 footage and um, excerpts from music videos and all the lyrics. And um, it really gives you a sort of like visual experience of the album. And it's quite unique. I've never really seen people have made visual albums, but this feels And, you know, it it feels really special to me. Um, So I'm I'm pretty excited for that. Um, And I'm also doing a kind of reverse Kickstarter where I'm giving away the record first, and then if people are moved by it, there's a bunch of ways on the website to donate directly to me to the project. And uh, it's highly experimental. Um, We'll see how it lands in the
0: world. Wow, I was going to ask you about your interest in... The I was going to say the business management from the point of view of independent artists. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Before we get to the next track, which we must get to uh, as much as I'm having wonderful fun talking to you. I wanted to talk about David Travis Smith because, um, you know, I mean, he has worked with you on every album. And mm-hmm. I would love a little bit of background as to how you actually work when you come together in the studio because, you know, you, you regard him as a, you know, your co-producers, you know, he isn't producing you're, you're also producing. So, uh, can you talk a little bit about how you work together?
2: Yeah, we work together so well. It's just seamless, like, especially cause it's been so, so many years. Um, and not only have we co-produced all my records, but he's worked on every other record that I've produced. Yeah. We kind of finish each other's sentences, in many realms, you know, we can take over editing from each other at any point and I can just, you know, go up and point to something on a screen and he already knows, you know, there have been times where I've actually walked in from the booth overdubbing something and said, uh, oh yeah, in the third bar there's, and you go, oh, I've already, I've already fixed that. And so I just, I trust him immensely and he has such an amazing sensibility. And then this record was kind of a new direction for both of us. Um, I mean, we share a lot of the same influences and, um, reference points. And we were both kind of heading into new territory. So we did a lot of listening together of, you know, uh, other music that kind of was on the fringes of this sound and, but yeah, David and I are also really um we're kind of very different and and then so complimentary because of that. He really handles everything in the technical realm in a way that I really don't have to think about it, you know. Um, Just to give you an idea, like I can I've walked into the studio with a 15-piece chamber symphony and all the mics are set up before anyone gets in the door and Even with an ensemble that big, we would be actually recording within an hour, which is kind of unheard of. Um, so he just, he makes all the cumbersome technical things like perfect and invisible so that all the musicians can just focus on, you know, performing and connecting and all the things that are really important, you know, for them to focus on. So I love that about him, Um, and and I'm often really working in the sort of, like, arranging, working on music, um, and he gives me so much space to do that. So we sort of have our things that we take care of really thoroughly, and then he's uh, just so masterful, like, in the post-production realm of, like, editing, and, you know, uh, especially on this record, we would often take things that were performed and then turn them upside down, like, you know, what if we take that and put it in a totally new place, or I would often sample little things that other people did and pitch them up and place them back on a keyboard, and then he would completely mess with those. And so, yeah, he really, really shaped the sound of the record in a big way.
0: All right. Did a fabulous job, absolutely. And, you know, it's such a pleasure to be able to talk to you like this, you know, getting a real insight into making an album that clearly... Uh, was a a labour of love, and you know, it, you know, uh, knowing a bit more about the the story of, of Michael's sudden death, it really, uh, it really just brings home how important it is that you've actually been able to to create this piece of art. But also, you know, I mentioned when I did the intro at the beginning how comforting the whole thing is, because we all have losses in our lives. You have a way of actually you know, being able to write about it. I did, I did want to ask you about the the lyrics because I found your lyrics really quite beautiful. We're going to step into a, another song, Earthlight, just now. But I love the way that you are able to, you know, you, you build these wonderful word pictures, but also you can tell stories uh, through them. And, and you write in such a way that, you know, you allow the imagination of the reader to become part of the story. And I just wanted to give you a chance to to talk about the lyrical side of this album.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like these songs in particular are probably more influenced by poetry than they are by songs. And so they are really um, kind of poetic and sometimes cryptic. And there's things that are really clear and other things that I don't feel like need to be and those are the things that I love you know I really love songs or records where you can have listened to them for years and memorize the whole song and still have no idea what it's about you know um it's very different than the kind of priority of like pop or Nashville kind of songwriting that's really about delivering a really clear story with the beginning, middle, and end and um, things that you can totally identify with. I, I really love when lyrics kind of live in you and, and lap around again and again and mean different things at different times. And That's sort of the world that I was living in and in a way the kind of quality of lyric writing that I felt like was appropriate for a lot of what these songs were about. And some of the songs, they didn't even know what they were about, you know, Um, or they're about many things all at once. And that fluidity itself is what feels like the poetry or the art of the whole thing.
0: Well, let's step off into a song that I think uh, really captures that. And that would be Earthlight. I mean, this is a song about um, the mysteries of the cosmos and how they influence our lives. And uh, tell us a little bit about this one.
2: Yeah, I was really, I mean, I actually don't know a whole lot about astrology, but every time I come in contact with it, it seems entirely accurate. And, and I was really just thinking about how zooming way out into this sort of celestial perspective, um, you know, thinking about where stars or constellations were at the time you were born and how these larger cycles of our life seem to line up with these larger cycles of what's in the stars just gives a kind of wide perspective on things. Um and, and there was a few songs on the album where I kind of started to pull at those threads. Yeah, so I was really thinking a lot about kind of life cycles and birth and death and the way these sort of hidden forces tug on, on our life and our choices and our relationships in ways that we either don't see or when we do see them they sort of give a whole new window to look through.
0: Let's listen to that just now. This is Jamie Stone with Earthlight from his fabulous new album Awake. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio and I'm Jan Hall.
1: The waxing of the moon. It's an ancient observation. You dance around the room. There's a certain expectation. You find it's wearing thin. But you know it's just a moment all here living in, oh living in, Ooh. your first birth constellation, if those stars could see you now, would they circle round your orbit, bright sevens, starry plow.
0: Hey, this is Lizzie Hoyt, and you are listening to the fabulous Folk Roots Radio with Jan Hall. That's Jamie Stone with Earthlight from his new album, Awake. It's a Truly fabulous, fabulous record. I, I might as well say this now, it's definitely going to be one of my favorite albums of 2020. And let's be honest, we're living in a pandemic, so we need to have anything that makes 2020 uh, so much better. Jamie Stone's our special exactly. guest on Folk Roots Radio today. So, Jamie, uh, the album is going to be released very shortly. You've mentioned I'm already excited about this new website that will come uh, that will contain a lot of fascinating information about the album and some of the some leading off points, which is always good because we all need rabbit holes to go down. But what happens now? Uh, You know, unfortunately, you can't really tour. How do you think your plans are settling out for beyond? And I guess that's from, what, 2021 and after?
2: Yeah, um, well, truth be told, I have no idea, and I don't believe anyone else does at this moment. And I'm actually fine with that. I've been through all kinds of phases, um, as I'm sure everybody has through quarantine. But at the moment, you know, I just found out a few days ago that my kids are not, able to go back to school in person, and I just shrugged and went like, "Okay, what are we gonna do now so um, I feel at this point in my life I feel like resilient, and you know my life feels like a creative process, just like my music does, so I'm not sure what's gonna happen and um I'm curious to see um what will what will unfold um Practically speaking, I did indeed cancel the entirety of my CD release touring for the fall, but it it gave me some kind of energy to think about the website and think about the future of how to present the work that I do, and there are still so many ways to do that. Um, Financially speaking, I'm not quite sure how it's all going to look, and I'm really thinking a lot about new models for all of that, and I'm actually... Among other things that I'm doing creatively, I'm, I'm also developing an online course for musicians called Compose Your Career that I expect will be out in early 2021 that I'm gonna spend, you know, the next several months working on. And it's basically an online course that teaches musicians how to have a sustainable career and sort of develop their voice and all the practical and business skills to have a make a sustainable living from doing art. And it's something I've been kicking around for a number of years, but I've been too busy to actually do. So I feel like, you know, being grounded at home um, is giving me opportunities to focus on things that have been latent or that I've always wanted to do and haven't had time to do. I've been playing guitar a lot, a lot, a lot, and, uh, yeah, able to do things like, you know, I spent eight hours the other day transcribing a Randy Newman song, note for note, lifting the piano parts and finding a way to play them on guitar. So, you know, new, new things in new circumstances. That's fine.
0: Does that mean there may be a covers album? I'm a little intrigued as to what the Randy Newman song would be.
2: It's uh, uh, Losing You.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. So yeah, I mean one
2: of my all-time favorites.
0: Do do you see that maybe I mean this to me sounds like this is further stretching, you know, exploring which is really exciting. I mean it, I I I'm just loving this conversation just to hear you talk about you know all of these creative plans you have. We had a conversation a few years ago when Folklife came out and you said, well, you know, I I've only you know I only started to sing a little bit on the uh, Lomax project album and you sing a bit more on folk life but you say well I'm not really a singer but your voice there is there's a a gorgeous fragility about it that I just truly love and I think it really comes through here I mean it's you know when I listen to this album I think of uh, Owen Pallet I think of um, you know David Byrne um, you know I such John Stevens I think was somebody else slightly different but you know all these people that you know create wonderful sound uh, that includes their voice. And you really do that too. Do you see more of this in the future moving forward? Mm-hmm, for
2: sure. And I, I really feel like making this record was just like an epic laboratory experience for learning to sing um, and really, you know, being under the microscope of recording um, taught me a lot. And I, and I took a lot of lessons and you know, I actually really love my singing on the record and I feel like I I started working with a voice teacher in New York named Theo Bleckman right after I finished recording the record. And uh um my voice has improved so much working with him. Um and uh I have no, no regrets about how the record sounds and it was such an important kind of learning experience. But yeah, I feel like I sing better than ever, and now I'm feeling much more kind of free and creative with my voice, so I plan to, and am singing a lot more, um, and I love it. So yeah, it's nice to just keep expanding and growing. I mean, sometimes I look at people that, you know, chose the one thing that they wanted to do, you know? Like, people I know who just, like, have been playing old-time banjo for 30 years, and that's All they do, and they keep reinvesting in that one thing that they're so good at. And I have gone through phases where I feel like I have dabbled in too many different things, um, that I haven't like dug deep enough in any one of them. And I feel now, you know, in my, here in my early 40s, that, um, that's kind of who I am. And so I'm, I'm learning to just embrace the fact that. I love all these different things, like different instruments and different ways of making music. And I don't have to be anything at any of them. I just have to um, keep exploring whatever bends my ear and whatever calls to me. And I think I will just keep on doing that.
0: That sounds so exciting. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you again today. Jamie Stone, if you want to learn more about his music, I want to encourage you to go to his website, jamiestone.com. I'm sure all the links for the album website will be up very shortly. We only have one thing left to do, and that's pick the final track. I thought we'd play Mouth the Words because we were starting to talk about the cosmos. And this song brought me towards this whole concept of the Saturn return, which forced me to start doing the math and trying to work out Mm -hmm. what I was doing at certain periods of my life. But tell us a little bit about this song and why you wanted to write it.
2: Yeah, um, so this song really revolves around this idea of Saturn return that you mentioned. And for people that don't know, there's an idea in astrology that um, every 30 years, Saturn is in the same place it was when you were born. Um, And so there tends to be this kind of reckoning and renewal. Um, where, you know, we'll look back on the last phase of life and figure out what was working and what wasn't working and what we want to take with us into the next 30 years. And it tends to happen for people around when they turn 30. That was very much my experience. And I notice again it happens when people are turning 60 or so. And so it was sort of thinking about that and also really thinking about what it takes for people to be, kind of radically honest. Um, You know, I was thinking about how sometimes it's easier to, like, whisper something that's hard to say than to say it, you know, loud. Um, And then this idea that, like, maybe, like, if you could just mouth the words that are hard to say. So there's a bunch of different ideas in there about honesty and healing and going through phases in life. Um, And this song I actually wrote on guitar in an alternate tuning And it really all just sort of came out pretty quickly. Um, Some songs I labor over for a really long time, and others seem to arrive. There's an architecture that is built into them right from the beginning, and it's just a matter of kind of
0: following them. That's a perfect way to finish this interview. This is Jamie Stone with Mouth the Words from his wonderful new album, Awake. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. And Jamie, that was an absolute pleasure.
2: Thank you so much.
1: And make amends Mouth the words you couldn't say You'll be cured of all the things you forgot to pray First reverse Ooh. Change your course Cast the curse Your bed under Chiron's glow. Your sail is full. The harbor's past, you feel the pull. It's ten below, you hardly speak. A tongue below, the islands swim out past the creek. Do you feel it all? around the dark. Stars align, Saturn turns, redesign, everything you ever learned. So keep it pinned to your back and feel the wind. Mind the hurt, I couldn't stay everything you didn't say do you feel it all I ah.
0: That's all we can squeeze into this hour of Folk Roots Radio. You can visit our website at folkrootsradio.com to check out our extensive archive of interviews and radio episodes. And thanks again to all of our radio partners who help us bring Folk Roots Radio to you each week. We'll leave you with another track from Jamie Stone's fantastic new album, Awake. This is the absolutely gorgeous Brotherless. And yes, I could have picked any of the songs from that album for this radio episode. It's that good. Stay safe and well, everyone. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. We'll see you next time.
1: Trouble me, your troubled mind, trouble catches you every time, suddenly, you're gone too soon, homes fill, you're empty. It's a working cure, astral salt from far off shore, burning bush, signal hill, rainbow sign, but a silent will. Your story's full of blurry facts. What you felt we can only guess The mountains hidden, hidden in. sight second son who'll watch over now that you're gone citywide hazel green brotherless from here on